You are listening to sermon audio from Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out online at www.cogginchurch.org. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you, and I'm glad that you're here. If you have your Bible or your mobile device, can I encourage you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Gospel of John chapter 8, if you're in the room or joining us online, we're excited you're here. And we're going to be continuing in the sermon series called Enemies of the Heart. There are things that, that seek to attack us and to draw us away from God's best for our life and from a close relationship with Him. And today we want to continue by, by uh, talking about guilt. So if I could just make a blanket statement, I would guess that most of us in this room have dealt with the enemy of guilt in our life. And so I want to begin with the understanding that that if our heart is not right, then we will never be in the place that God wants us to be. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. So in other words, what happens in our heart affects everything in our lives. So if we have darkness in our heart, if we have darkness in the center of our heart, then we will have darkness in our life. So we want to fill our heart with the good things of Jesus. Guilt is is an enemy that clogs our heart. So guilt says that I owe something. Guilt says there is a debt that I have, something that I have done that I need to pay for. And the the thing that Jesus wants you to hear more than anything else this morning is this, is that he has come to set you free. So guilt says I owe something. Truth in Christ wants to set us free. So guilt is what clogs the heart and, and doesn't allow life to flow. Many of us have been ravaged by the effects of guilt and therefore stymied in how we function on a daily basis. It's, it's almost as bad as having an defective heart that cannot function because the bondage that we feel and the weight of the guilt of our past uh, and, and the things that weigh us down that keep us from being free. But Guilt can give us that desire to pay for something that we owe. And if we're not careful, that that drive results in a reckless lifestyle of trying to pay back something that we owe by overcompensating to do good or just living in a destructive lifestyle that damages us and those around us because there's never enough to pay back. We can't pay back what we owe. And so we get in this cycle of of guilt and pain and shame that leaves us empty and without hope. But today I, I want to encourage you that if you have been living in guilt or you are dealing with guilt today, that there is hope for you. You don't have to live in that guilt any longer. So let's read God's Word and and see what it says. In in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, it says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you, what does your Bible say? Free. That you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free, my Bible says, indeed. 
So what Jesus does in this moment is he essentially gives us freedom. So I don't know about you. I don't know if you mark things in your Bible. If you don't, my opinion is that you should to, to know what is important and what is read. Man, this is marked in three different colors on my, in my page. This passage, because these are verses that bring me hope. When I feel overwhelmed by the mess that usually I have created, then I can find freedom in Christ. If you take your Bible and you just look a couple verses up in John chapter 8, Jesus begins to set the stage because in verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. In other words, if there is a focus that you need to focus on, if there is a light that we need to follow, if there is a pattern that we need to set our life to follow, it is that of Jesus. So if we're not careful, we begin to try to please other things. And what verse 12 says is that I am the light of the world. I am the center of the focus. I am the thing that if you, if you want to please anybody, then you need to please Jesus. So here's what happens in our life. We get, we get out of focus and we begin to think that I've got to make everybody else happy. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But can I just tell you, you can't make everybody else happy. We need to please God. And so the road to freedom from guilt begins with lordship. Lordship means that I'm going to allow God to be in charge of my life, that I'm going to allow Jesus to have control over who I am and what I do. What Jesus didn't say is, hey, if you could just put me in the top 10 priorities of your life, then that'll be okay. If you'll just kind of put me on the list, then, then, then your life will be good. He didn't say if it's convenient, follow me. The Bible says that our God is a jealous God. But there's a reason why God wants to be number one in your life. It's because God has the best for you. And when we begin to follow other priorities, we get out of whack. We, we get out of line. So guilt says, I owe something, and honestly, I will never be able to pay it back. Truth in Christ is what sets us free. So the road to freedom from guilt begins with Jesus because he is the light of the world, and there is no substitute. Listen to what these verses say. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, God in all of his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So essentially, Jesus said, put me first and everything else will find its place. Here's what I can tell you after living 49 years on this earth. Is that that is very true. Some things that we think are super important are really not. And and if we'll just seek God first, if we'll just put our focus on Him, then those things, that they may do it screaming and yelling, but they find their place, which actually may not have any priority at all in your life. Matthew 22, verse 37, is called the greatest commandment, where, where Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. See, we have to recognize who is truly in charge and who is truly our only hope, and, and that is Jesus. Nothing else will give us hope. Nothing else we can trust more than we can Jesus. Here, here's what happens. The world begins to tell us that to be successful in life, in our family, in our work, that we have to listen to everybody's input. Have you ever tried to listen to more than one person at a time? 
I mean, some of you say, well, I can multitask. I can do multiple things. Well, that's really not true. We, we fool ourselves into thinking it is true, all right? And I even can try to say, tell my wife, hey, I'm listening to you while I'm scrolling on my phone. I'm really not attentive, right? So if we're not careful, we begin to try to take in all this information and all these influences when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want you to love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. You see, what begins to happen is that we, we begin to think to, to be successful, that, that I just need to work harder. I need to gain more recognition. I need to get more people uh, to approve of me. And then Jesus in Mark chapter 8 says, what does it profit if you gain the whole world yet you lose your soul? Here's what I can tell you to be true. I've sat with some very successful in the world's eyes people, some people who had some great wealth and some great possessions. None of them has said, I wish I'd have just made more money. None of them at the end of their day said, if I could have just worked harder, then I would have had more happiness. All of them recognized that the things that were most valuable are things that I cannot buy. My relationship with Jesus my relationship with my family and with those that I love the most. You see, if we're not careful, we let others begin to drive us. So the goal is not to approve, uh, prove that the world is most important, but to say that God is most important. And so we need to be faithful to Him because if God is pleased with my life, then I'm probably in the best place I will ever be. So ask yourself this morning, is God pleased with me? Because when we get off course, we have problems with guilt because we're trying to please the wrong thing. There's a, there's a book written, uh, Choosing to Cheat. I wouldn't like put it on the desk in your work environment because it kind of, the title doesn't sound right. Okay. But essentially the premise from this book written by Annie Stanley says this, that we cheat in our life. Okay. Now look at your neighbor right now. Just look at him and say, you're a cheater. (laughs) I bet you didn't know that. At least you're talking bad about them, right? Here's what happens. We only have so much time and so much margin in our life. So there's there's something we're going to cheat, okay? We either cheat ourselves, we cheat in our work environment, we cheat in our family environment, we cheat in our spiritual environment. Now, if we're not careful, the world will tell us to cheat the areas that we actually value the most. So what happens is that if you want to be successful in the world's eyes, then you will say, I want to be a good provider. I want to be recognized in in the thing that I am most skilled in in my life, my job, my identity. And so in doing that, I will cheat the things that I love the most, like my family or like my time with the Lord, or like my witness or my character. And so what Andy Stanley says this is this, if you're going to cheat anything, don't cheat the things that mean the most. Fathers, mothers, here's what I'll tell you. This is the old guy talk, okay? Your kids are going to be grown just like that. You will never get that baseball game back. You will never get that concert back you will never get that moment for you to be present back. Here's what I know about your work. No matter how successful you are in it, if you leave, 
they will replace you. You will always be the husband to your wife and the wife to your husband. You will always be your kid's dad. You never get those moments back. Don't sacrifice your family on the altar of work or success or possession or money. Here's what I know about money. It's here today and gone tomorrow. If you think you got it all figured out, and you're probably, some of you in this room are probably way more better with your money than me. Here's what I know. No matter how well I do, money still gets spent at my house. Walmart gets a bunch of it, you know. I mean, it, it just goes, right? And no matter how nice the moment or the thing or the possession is, it just doesn't, it just doesn't mean as much as the time I can spend with my kids, with my family. Here's what I also know. Man, I can get plaques and awards in my work. I I can get people to pay attention to me for things that I may have accomplished. But you know what means most to me? When my wife or my kids tell me they love me. That's better than a room full of awards. You know what's even more important? Is that no matter how much I'm affirmed and loved by people in my life, that the fact that Jesus is pleased with me actually means the most. So, so then why would I give my time and my energy and my, all, all of the best of me to things that honestly are temporary instead of giving my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ to, to try to follow Him, to, to love Him? Because here, here's what I know. No matter how many people I please, they're never all going to be happy. No matter how many people that I try to to impress, I'm never going to make them all happy. Some of you may have had this this morning. You got up, you looked in the mirror, and you tried on three different outfits before you came here. Now, don't point at your spouse if they did this, because sometimes it's, we, we would say, oh, it's the ladies. Listen, I've, I've been around a lot of guys who made multiple dress changes trying to think if I could just look sharper or cooler or better, and if I could pr- impress them. Listen, the way you dress, the things that you do, listen, those things don't matter nearly as much as what Jesus thinks about your life. So you can look awesome on the outside, and yet if Jesus is not pleased with your heart, then that leaves you empty. So here's what I'm just telling you. You you can't make everyone happy. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will find their place. No matter how amazing the experience or the possession is, it will pass away. You can't take any of it with you. So what do we do? Look at verse 31. It says that we need to embrace the truth. The truth is that guilt comes from Satan. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Never forget that. Satan wants to destroy you. Satan wants to tear you down. Some of you have had uh, so much guilt in your life that it has devastated you, that you've been overwhelmed. Here's what I want to remind you. All of that comes from Satan. God never takes you on a guilt trip. Okay, well, well, sometimes I feel guilty for things that I've done. There's a difference between conviction of sin and a guilt trip. The Holy Spirit convicts us of things that we have done wrong. Satan takes takes us on a trip even after we have been forgiven of our sin. So there is a difference between conviction of sin 
and the guilt that we feel for things that we have done, know this, Satan is behind every single guilt trip that you've ever been on. How do we know that? Listen to God's word. James chapter one, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So if we have good in our life, it comes from God. If we have bad, it comes from Satan. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So God wants to bring good into our life. He wants to bring peace into our life. Guilt brings chaos. John 10, 10. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes that we might have life to the full. 1 John 1, 9. I love this. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now, I don't know if you see a pattern here, but God wants good for you. He wants restoration and forgiveness. Satan wants to try to destroy you. He wants to try to keep you in bondage. Now, don't point and don't uh, raise your hand if you have, but, but if you've ever had a pair of handcuffs clipped to your, uh, to your wrists, that is an interesting feeling. If you've ever heard the click of the handcuffs as they go on your wrist, there is one thing going through your mind. When can I get these off? Okay. If, you, if you've ever had them on, you, you don't feel free. You feel restricted. You, you, you feel like my mess has finally caught up with me. I, I'm in the place where I, I'm not in control anymore. And your mind totally goes towards the moment when you can be free. Here's what guilt does. Here's what sin does. Is that it puts chains on you. It restricts you. It puts you into handcuffs that you feel like are, are gripping you and keeping you from being free. And what Satan does in those moments is he tries to take the tough times of your life to trigger guilt by slapping the cuffs back on even when Jesus has dropped them off and set you free. Satan says stuff like, hey, this is your fault. This is because of what you have done in your past. This is just payback for your failures. This is because of your lack of whatever. Listen, that's not God speaking into your heart. That's Satan trying to destroy you. I'll never forget sitting with a, a dear friend, a, a, a father who lost his daughter she went on a long trip, and, and because they didn't get out enough uh, and walk around, she got a blood clot in her leg. That blood clot broke free, went straight to her heart, and killed her instantly. 39 years old, mother of two, dead. This, this man sat in my office, and he just wept. And he said, Doug, is this because of something I have done? Is this because of my past? Because, Pastor, there's, there's things that I have done that I don't even want to speak of. There's failures that I have. There's sins that I have that I would be embarrassed to talk about in this moment. Is it because of my sin that now my daughter lays in a casket dead? There's nothing in God's Word or in my understanding of who He is, that would ever say that God punishes us like that. 
Guilt takes us on a trip that we never deserved. Here's this man in this place where he's at the deepest point of grief that he had ever known in his life. And Satan had tricked him to believe that it was his fault. It had nothing to do with that. And so it took him some time to understand and to forgive himself, but he had to understand that Satan was trying to take him to a place. He, he took a tough moment to try to trigger guilt in his life. It wasn't true. You see, Satan uses those times to try to make us feel guilty when we don't deserve it. Satan also uses critics to hurt us. There, there's, a, there's a phraseology I use in my world of either breathing life or breathing death. I don't know if there's people in your, in your world that, that breathe life into you. They're encouraging. You want to be around them. You, they, they, it's, just, it's just like, man, every time I'm around them, I feel way more encouraged by them than anything I can give to them. I mean, they're just, they're, their spirit is sweet. Their, their uh, mannerisms are, are encouraging. The words that they say, the things that they do just encourage me. And then there's just people who breathe death. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who has bad breath, but over the last year, we've all discovered we all have bad breath right? You put a mask on, you realize how bad your breath is. I just want to apologize to everybody I've ever been around. I didn't know my breath was that smelly, okay? I, I use a lot more mints now because I didn't know, but, but there's just people who breathe death. They're not encouraging. They're, they don't breathe life into others. They're actually discouraging, and, and everything is negative that they say, now, if it's okay, I'm going to be really honest. Sometimes that happens in church. Sometimes instead of breathing life and encouragement, the church becomes a place where we breathe death, where the church can become judgmental in what we say. Instead of being a place where the hurting can come to find help and to find encouragement, this actually becomes a place where people who are hurting become nervous to come because they're afraid they're going to be spoken against because of maybe how they look or, or where they have been or what they have done. Church, can I just remind you that if there is a place for there, there to be safety and brokenness, it has to be in God's house and it has to be with God's people. Because if we're not careful... We be, breathe death on the hurting. Instead of being encouraging for those who are, who are in need of help from us and from the Lord Jesus Christ, we actually convict them of their sin. And I want to set you free today in another way. It's not your job to judge. It's not my job to judge. The judge, job of judgment comes from the Holy Spirit. And unless that's your name, your, if, unless your name is Holy Spirit, our job is to hold true to the Word of God and to love people to the cross of Christ. And so this ought to be a place that breathes life and not death because what Satan wants to do is to beat you up for the things that you are and the things that you're doing and to breathe death on you to make you feel discouraged and to help slap the cuffs back on you and to make you feel like you're in chains. But here's what I know. The gospel brings hope, not guilt. Guilt says, I owe you, but the truth in Christ sets you free. How do I know that? Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation 
For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Here's what the gospel wants to do. The gospel wants to set you free. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus forgives, that Jesus saves, that he wants to be the savior for the whole world. And so what we need to understand is that God wants to set us all free. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when you give your life to Jesus, he forgives you and he cleanses you. So there should be no more guilt. Guilt is something that comes from the devil and that he wants to try to pierce into your life when it does not belong. Secondly, we not only need to embrace truth, but we need to embrace freedom. Look at verse 32. It says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you begin to understand who God is, who Jesus is, and why he has come, then that truth will set you free. Romans chapter 6 verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. God has come to set you free. Jesus came specifically to give you freedom. Sin wants to enslave you, but Jesus wants to set you free. Now, when Jesus speaks these words in John chapter 8, he is speaking to a nation that understands historically about slavery. He, he's speaking to people that, that they knew what that meant. Many of them had even experienced it. But he was talking about a greater bondage than physical chains. He was talking about a bondage to sin that can dominate your life and destroy you. Paul wanted to, them to understand that the chains that were binding them or chains around their heart. Guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Don't put it in bondage. You see, slaves have no security, but are under the direction of their master. So my question for you today is this, who is your master? Are you allowing Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Or have you been in bondage to sin? Now listen, you can be in bondage to sin even as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now here's the crazy thing. I mean, and, and just look at the cycle of sin and freedom throughout Scripture. Now we know before we come to Christ, there is no freedom that we can gain on our own. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. We can't do enough good things to be set free. So we need salvation in Christ alone. But here's the crazy thing about us. Did you know you're crazy? And I'm crazy. We get set free from sin and then we pick those chains back up and put ourselves back into bondage. We allow sin to to reign and rule in our lives. How do I know? I'm guessing I'm not the only one to ask Jesus' forgiveness for the same sin more than once. Just me? Guessing not. You ever been to Jesus and say, God, it's, it's me again and I did it again. It's me and and the sin that I just asked forgiveness for that you set me free. Here I am again, and I did it again. I mean, if I'm God, I'm like, do these guys, are they ever going to get it right? I mean, we come back to God with the same broken pieces. We mess it up over and over again because sin is a master we continue to go back to. It doesn't make any sense Because Jesus wants us to embrace freedom, not bondage. So how do we do that? Look at verses 34 and following. 
Because Jesus said the only way you're going to embrace freedom is to embrace Jesus. And we have to do that on a daily basis. We have to let Jesus be Lord, not once in our life, but every single day. Look at verses 34 and following. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. So what we have to do every single day is say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the boss of my life. It's not salvation every single day that we ask and we're saved again. There are religions that teach that you have to keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that when you come to Christ, that Jesus puts you within His hand and He's holding on to you forever. But we do have to do is let Jesus be Lord. In other words, every day we have to choose who's our master. Am I going to allow sin to be my master or am I going to allow Jesus to be my master? Because if we're not careful, sin will take its grip on us. And, and, and Jesus wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live without the chains, without the bondage. You see, when Jesus sets you free, he allows you to replant your soul in a way that you've never been able to do before. When you come to Christ, there is freedom in that. In fact, I can't tell you about anybody else's experience but mine, but when I came to know Christ as my Savior... It was as if there was a load on my shoulders that was lifted. There have been times in my life where I have been overwhelmed with the bondage of the chains of sin. And when I ask forgiveness, it's as if there's a physical weight that's been lifted off of my shoulders, a relief that I feel. And here's what I can guess in this room is that there's some people who have some chains in here. Not because your heart has not been redeemed, but because you have allowed sin to be your master. Why do we have to protect our heart? Because it's the wellspring of life. Here's what I know. You can't trust your heart. You can't trust you. Because you will convince you that it's okay to do the things that you do. Because, listen, I'm not as bad as they are. My sin's not nearly as bad as they are. I mean, if we could trust ourselves, then we would make rules that make sense. But, listen, we, we convince ourselves that our sin is not as bad. Or it doesn't hurt anybody else but me. Or I can handle that. And that's not what the Bible teaches about sin at all. Sin will destroy you. And it will set you into bondage and you feel the weight. So here's what we do is we essentially bedazzle the chains. We become comfortable with the weight. And we don't give in to the freedom that God wants to give to us. And so we, we live our lives in bondage. Not because Jesus has not given us the freedom, but because we have chosen to put ourselves back into chains. I don't know about you, but that's just crazy. And the craziness is mine. If I'm not careful, left unattended, I am capable of anything. That's why you and I need to put Jesus first in our life. We need to have people around us in our, in our lives, in our church family, who are keeping us accountable, who are challenging us to grow in our faith with, with Him and to believe that Jesus is better and that His life for me is better. And so instead of being uh, in bondage to sin, we need to be set free. Listen to what Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free, so stand therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So don't put the chains back on. 
Don't step back into the dark life that you have lived. Understand that freedom is in the light of Christ. And we have to be faithful every single day to let him be the Lord of our life. Because Jesus wants to set us free. So what do I do with the guilt, Pastor? I I hear what you're saying. I, I see all the verses. I understand what Jesus has done for me. But what do I do? Well, guilt says I owe something. But it's a debt you will never pay. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus says, I forgive you. Jesus says, I forgive you. For, for some of you, you've never forgiven yourself. You, you're, you're dealing with guilt from years in the past for something that you have done. Now, here's the thing about sin. Sin leaves scars. And sometimes we're ashamed of our scars. On my right thumb, I have a scar, and it's, it's, it's hard to tell if you don't know it's there. But it's a scar from when I was a kid, and I was learning how to use a pocket knife. Learning is the key phrase there, okay? I, I don't want to gross you out, but I, I cut myself pretty deep on my thumb. Now, I have learned to better handle a knife. I've learned that there's things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do. I've learned that I have, a, I have a, a, a brother-in-law who's a knife maker, and I'm really careful with his knives because they're really, really sharp. And so I don't make mine that sharp, so I don't cut myself as often. Okay, But what I, I have is a scar that reminds me of the day that I cut really deep my thumb. And so the scar is there, but hopefully the lesson has been learned that I don't want to do that again. Can I just encourage you, scars in your life are not always things that you need to be ashamed of. Because the scar reminds me of the grace that I've been shown and the favor that I've been given and the mercy that I've been shown for what God has done in my life. Here's the the tendency in the church, if I can just talk kind of bad about us, is to put covers over our scars to pretend as if we've never had hard days. But our scars remind us of the grace of Jesus Christ. It reminds us of where we have come from and where God has brought us to. It also reminds us that there are those around us who are scarred up by the world who need the same grace that we've been shown. So I want to encourage you to not hide your scars, but I want to encourage you to be reminded that your scars remind you of God's grace. But for some of you, the guilt that you feel, the guilt that you've been dealing with that has brought darkness into your life, that has kept you handcuffed and chained down, the first thing that you need to do is admit to yourself that you have that guilt and admit it to Jesus. Whatever that is, here's the great thing. You don't need a pastor or a priest to confess to. You can go straight to the Father. Right here this morning, you have some great pastors and some leaders in this church who love Jesus and are happy to talk with you about anything. And if you want to talk to them, I want to encourage you. But you don't have to confess your sins to a priest. You don't have to go through a human person to ask forgiveness. You can talk directly to God. And then you need to confess what you've done. Um, why do we confess? There's, there's teaching in God's word that says that God knows everything. So if God knows everything, why do I need to confess it to him? I'll just tell you that's more for us than it is for him. God already knows. But when I admit where I am and then I confess it with my mouth, let me just tell you something. There's, there's freedom in that. There's freedom in understanding that 
I need to put this at the feet of Jesus. I need to admit what I've been struggling with. And when I admit and confess what I've done wrong, and then I ask for Jesus to forgive me, there's freedom in that. I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me just tell you something. There is a freedom in allowing Jesus to forgive you of all the things that you've done wrong, of the guilt, of the anger, of the challenges of your life. And then when you do that, when you admit and confess and ask forgiveness and believe, then you can embrace freedom. You see, what happens when you leave it at the cross is that Jesus takes it from there. Guilt will never take you anywhere except on a very bad trip. But Jesus will take you on a ride that you will never compare to anything else in this world. When you embrace the freedom of Christ, when you embrace the things that He wants to do for you, there is freedom in that. So can I just encourage you today, don't let your past ruin your future. Here's what I know. And I've been married 27 years this year. I have two great kids. The challenging thing is that I've said some things at times in my life that I wish I could take back. You ever been there? You ever said something to somebody that you love deeply and the words are coming out of your mouth and you're like, that is the wrong thing and I can't take them back? Have you ever done something that you wish you could undo? Have you ever been somewhere that you wish you could take back from going there? Have you ever had an action in your life that you wish you could change? Can't change our past, can we? There's nothing we can do about what we have done and where we have been and the things. Now we can try to make it right. We can apologize. We can try to right the wrongs that we have done. But the best way to change is to change the future of where you're going. So I'm going to encourage you, listen, the guilt of your past will drive you down a road that is dark Christ doesn't want you to live in that darkness. He wants you to live in the light. He wants you to know freedom in Him, in Him alone. So embrace the Word of God today that says, when Jesus sets you free, you are free. I love that that Word is there, that you are free indeed. That you're free completely. That's what Jesus wants to bring to your life. So it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus loves you. And He has a plan for you. He wants to be a blessing to you. He wants your life to to be lived to the fullest, not to be lived in bondage. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Coggin Church podcast. We exist to make disciples by leading people to connect with God, with others, through service to the world. For more information about Coggin, visit us at www.cogginchurch.org.